0: Welcome to the Heal Utah podcast, your source for politics, culture, economics, and everything in between through an environmental lens. Cool Clothing, based here in Salt Lake City, is a product-driven apparel company with a passion for the outdoor experience. They are a group of artists, designers, and athletes who collaborate to create great products that are timeless and in constant state of evolution born in the mountains of utah their innovative designs and technical fabrics have been enhancing movement and outfitting adventures for 30 years find them online at cool.com k-u-h-l.com all right everybody uh welcome back to the heel podcast i am your host um michael shea Heal senior policy associate and today we are very lucky to have author Asia Bonus, uh with her new book out shaped by snow um thank you so much for for coming on the show
1: yeah I'm really excited to be here
0: excellent excellent well for so uh, your book doesn't come out until November correct mm-hmm. um so we're gonna kind of uh, give everybody a, a sneak peek um I've had to the chance to to glance through it and I think you know first reaction is is you really do paint this sort of very intimate portrait between the relationship between, um, skiing and, and the environment and how there's, there's a symbiotic relationship there, but there's also this sort of, uh, almost negative externality about the, the, you know, the industry itself and, and it's, it's negative effects on the environment. I mean, I guess where, let's start, how did you get the idea for the, for the book in the first place?
1: Um, I, I got the idea of, for the book from my grandfather who has been very involved in the ski industry here really since the start of it in the early nineteen hundreds and I was kind of thinking about how much it has meant to me to develop this relationship to my grandparents and my parents because of skiing and because of interacting with snow in the Wasatch Front specifically and it occurred to me one day that um, I don't know if I'll be able to enjoy snow with my grandchildren like I've been able to enjoy snow with my um, grandparents, and that that thought really just like stuck a dagger in my heart, and it kind of made me realize that with climate change, um, besides just affecting our you know public health and sea level rise and all of these things, it's also going to affect the way that we develop relationships and specifically that relationships that have um, developed because of things such as snow that are now at risk from climate change, um, we just won't be able to, it's going to change. And so I guess going forward with the book, I was kind of interested in like, okay, how will they change? How will this affect... um, you know the relationships that I will hopefully develop one day with my children and grandchildren, and and as well as um, how how the ski industry <clears throat> is playing a role in climate change and kind of trying to expose some of the skeletons in the closet mm-hmm. regarding that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you come from a, a pretty prominent um, ski family, and and you know you just talked about your your your, your grandfather. I mean, how how do you think? the relationship between skiing and the environment has evolved from, you know, from your your grandfather's generation to your, your parents' generation to, to your generation?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question because the kind of like environmentalism of the past is not the same as the environmentalism or as more people are referring to it as these days, climate activism. Um, the kind of era that my grandparents grew up in was like oh this is all new space like let's build a ski resort we've got all this land that we can do with kind of whatever we want um let's cut down these trees let's build these runs let's put infrastructure up the canyons um and it was all kind of seen as this exciting time of like the ski area you know building i think Snowbird, or sorry, Snowbird was one of the um, more recent developments, but during the 1930s and 40s, I think it was like five or six ski areas developed were developed in the Wasatch. Um, and unfortunately, um, while skiing has led to so many people caring about mountain um, landscapes and ecosystems and alpine ecosystems and snow, the act of skiing itself, you know, it's an industry. It promotes fossil fuel usage. Um, it promotes kind of like high intensity usage of the mountains. And um, and so my generation is more concerned about, okay, we can't have unregulated growth and usage in these mountains anymore. We can't have unregulated uh fossil fuel emissions in our Salt Lake Valley? um, And how do we deal with this while we can, while we still are able to participate in a sport that has really um, contribute significantly to the development of Salt Lake City and and the Wasatch Front?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, where, I mean, you know, we, let's let's move move to today and where the industry is is right now, because you know you do see you do see some movement um, with both resorts and the the manufacturers going to, you know, setting renewable goals, trying to implement more sustainable practices. Um, do you do you think the industry is moving in in the right direction, and more importantly, do you think the industry is moving in the right direction fast enough?
1: <laughs> I. um... I do think that the industry is moving in the right direction, but I do not think it's moving nearly fast enough, nor visibly enough. Um, You know, if you go up to Snowbird or Alta and they'll kind of have these little plaques that are on the wall being like, this is what our ski resort is doing for the environment. And it's, you know, kind of has to do with like carpooling or water regulations or, um, you know... Minor stuff like that, when in reality, in order to be combating climate change as quickly as we need to be, we need to be demanding real um, fast and massive changes from mostly from our politicians. And um, one of the ski resorts that is starting to do this is Aspen, and they um, have created this kind of like a promotion called um, the Give a Flake and where they're encouraging their um, patrons to contact their politicians who are on the fence about climate change and and demand action. And you see this kind of like massive power of fossil fuel industries, or the NRA, or just these massive um, companies and organizations that have a real stronghold on our politicians, and they really control what our policy is. And I think that um, in order to really become serious about climate change, our ski resorts can't just be encouraging carpooling. They need to be joining together and actively lobbying our politicians and, and putting money towards the politicians who are going to make a difference regarding climate change. And, um, and unfortunately, we're really not seeing that much at all, especially <coughs> here in Utah.
0: Right. Yeah. No. I mean, it, that's an excellent point. I I work up on you know Capitol Hill as part of my job all the time, and you know we really do really look for for allies, and uh, you know to be frank, we don't really see the 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 outdoor industry represented up there, um, pushing for these kind of issues the the way they should, um, <clears throat> and I mean. How I mean, in your mind, what's the best way? What's the best way to change that? Is is it is it going to the resorts, demanding action? Uh, is it you know from a you know for people that are listening to this, for people that read your book, you know, is it is it demanding change from the resort, refusing to go to the resort? What do you think your like sort of the best call to action is that individuals could make?
1: Oh, that's a um, I mean, that's a great question and one that I've been trying to figure out for these past few years, and. Um, I wish I had a better answer, but I think honestly, um, kind of demanding, I think especially season ticket holders um, for resorts um, should start trying to, you know, be more forefront with um, whichever re- resort they uh, go to at each season and really try and demand. I mean, I've been trying to think of actions, you know, Actions that would draw public attention to to stuff like this, like, this is going to sound really dramatic, but barricading the canyons during, like, on a powder day when people are trying to, like, go up and have a great ski day and to, you know, get a few cars and block the road and really, like, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if I'd ever have the best to do this. <laughs> that, but, would,
0: that would certainly call attention to the yeah, issue. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think contacting your local ski resort um and yeah i don't know boycotting them maybe it's hard to say it's It's, tough i mean because
0: it's it's you know i i i am a very passionate skier who's been doing it my whole life um and it it really does provide you know such a sense of you know joy and peace and and meaning to to your life and and being able to to reconcile all those sort of awesome, you know, wonderful feelings with, you know, the negative downsides of of the whole sport um, is a difficult thing to do, and I think difficult for, uh, you know, everybody that that loves the sport. So it's uh, it's a tough one, but, um, <clears throat> but we do we do want to try to have it, we don't want this to all be all be doom and gloom. Yeah. Um, you you are an avid skier. Um, let's do some, uh, you know, you live, you live here in Salt Lake, uh, more backcountry or more resort skiing?
1: Um, more resort skiing. I do dabble in backcountry, but, um, because my family was so involved in the development of snowbirds specifically, it's, it's, um, kind of hard for me to go anywhere else, you know, for a while I, um. Was on my like dad's employee dependent pass, so I'm kind of spoiled. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, mostly resorts, and I think resorts are the kind of like the biggest issue regarding, um, you know, in terms of emitting the most fossil fuels. So I guess switching to the backcountry could help, but there's still just a lot of um fossil fuels released, any way you look at it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean it's 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 very true. I mean I guess, you know, a important, you know, thing I always like to ask ask my guests uh, at the end of, end of the show is I mean, do you see hope? I mean, is is it because uh, there is, I mean, you can easily get sort of um lost in in, you know, <laughs> to put it gently how screwed we are um in terms of what's happening with the climate and the environment. Um but, I mean, do you see hope? Is there, is there a chance we could still, you know, we, you know, our grandchildren can still have winters like, like we've experienced? Um, are we still going to have powder days in the Wasatch?
1: <laughs> I, I sure hope so. I mean, we can't not have hope. And that's through the, um, through the writing of this book, um, I really was struggling. You know, I mean, it's so easy to fall into that doom and gloom Um, and for a while I was so deep in there that I really didn't have hope. Um, but it occurred to me that we can't not have hope. It's like someone being diagnosed with a terminal illness or, you know, you hear interviews of people who lived through the Holocaust and it's just like, you can't not have hope. And whatever that means to find hope, like for me, it's, Having those powder days gives me hope and gives me the um, kind of like will and energy to, to fight against fossil fuel industries. And it's you kind of have to find whatever those things are that will give you hope. And it's going to be different per person. Um, whatever anchors you into a landscape or a community... It's those things that will give us um, the drive to keep fighting and and to have hope. And so I, I do think that there is hope. I do also think <clears throat> that in order to hopefully have winters in the future for our great-grandchildren, um, we need to act on that hope. It can't just be, um, like, something that we keep in the back of our minds. It has to be forefront and we need to um, create action around it.
0: Excellent, well that's, that's a good place to leave it. Uh, Aisha, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you. Shaped by Snow: Defending the Future of Winter will be on sale November nineteenth in bookstores uh, everywhere. We? I
1: hope, yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Well, well, please check it out. It really, is, especially for everybody that's that skis and snowboards in our community, it's it's really a powerful book, and um, we highly recommend it. So, thank you for joining us. I'm Michael Shea. Uh, this is the Heal Utah Podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting the Heal Utah podcast. Join us next time where we will keep looking at politics, culture, economics, and everything in between through an environmental lens.